1: Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
2: Welcome in, everybody, to the flagship podcast. I am Chip Brown of Horns247.com, joined as always by my esteemed colleague, the one and only Eric Henry of Horns247.com. And Eric, we are recording on Wednesday, January 24th. A lot has been happening for the uh, the football program. Um, winter workouts are underway. That's right. The 2024 season begins begins now. We've got uh, Texas Texas men's and women's basketball uh, on the uptick. We will get into that, uh, but obviously, winter workouts. Eric, still no defensive line coach for the Texas Longhorns, and that may have become complicated um, by a former Longhorn defensive lineman's attractiveness to his current job. Uh, we'll get into that, but uh, Eric, here we go, my man. Here we go indeed, Chip. Uh, it was
0: it was a little nice, you know what I mean? I, I won't lie to... Check the social media, you know, interwebs and see photos released from Texas football's Twitter account of Quinn yours and other players back there getting winter conditioning. In. It's it, it's it's kind of crazy to think, you know, it's only been about two and a half weeks since that uh that, that Sugar Bowl loss. But time waits for no man. And certainly this Texas Longhorn program has plenty of time to make up since their last college Football national championship. Looking to get back, looking to finish the deal, Chip. So it is never too soon to get back out there. They're, they're young, right? They've had a couple weeks off. The bodies have healed. Quinn yours has made the rounds. He's done a little hunting. He's been up there in Tarrant County in front of the county commissioners receiving his awards. It's it's time to get back into shape, right? Not to never, you know, got out of shape, but time waits for no man.
2: Yeah, time waits for no man. And look, Texas has a lot to replace. Uh, on both the offense and defense. Uh, defensively, you lose Outland Trophy winner Andre Sweat and the team's leading pass rusher, Byron Murphy. Uh, you lose two-time first-team All Big Twelve middle linebacker Jalen Ford. You lose your, you know, multi-year starter at safety Jaron Thompson, who uh, entered the portal and. You lose your boundary corner, Ryan Watts. And don't forget, they usually put the punter on the defensive side, Ryan Sanborn, who did a great job. Unsung hero of 2023, 45.7 yards per punt. Uh, now Texas will be looking to uh, to a true freshman who they they believe in, um, Michael Kern, who is not an early enrollee, by the way, so he will be showing up in in June. Um, but then on offense, uh, obviously, you lose your top five pass catchers and your leading rusher. Um, you know, the pass catchers, Xavier Worthy, Adnan Mitchell, uh, Jordan, well, Jatavian Sanders, then Jordan Whittington, and then Jonathan Brooks, who's also your thousand yard rusher. So uh, a lot to replace there, Eric. If you, I mean, winter conditioning is when that leadership, uh starts to develop and obviously on offense you've got quinn yours uh, you've got some veteran offensive linemen what's interesting to me is going to be the leadership on defense uh and jade Barron is a guy who comes back as a as a fifth year um senior who had accepted his invitation to the senior bowl but decided you know what there's more to be done We still don't know if he's going to wear number seven because Michael Huff handed him that jersey in in his announcement video. But what are your thoughts on the leadership on the defensive side?
0: Chip, you know, it's interesting you mentioned the leadership aspect, right? Because I'm sure you've heard this in the amount of time you've been covering sports. You know, you have some guys who are considered those vocal leaders, right? The Jalen Fords and, you know, the the inspirational guys, Jordan Whittington's. And then you have some guys who, when you ask them, Chip, right, what's your leadership style? And they say, oh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm more of a lead by example, right? You know, I let my play do the talking and hope the guys kind of follow me. And I think that's great. You know, you you can't have too many of both. You can't have too many guys who, you know, think they're the rah-rah voice guy because then that message gets watered down, right? We know that leadership committee only had about, what, like six to eight names of, like, true veterans and, of course, Quinn yours, were there. And then you can't have too many of those guys who – say, okay, you know, uh, I'm, I'm not going to be the vocal guy. I'm not going to be the one who's going to hold the young guy accountable verbally. I'm just going to hope that they see what I do and follow behind. So to your point, as far as defensively, I mean, I think it starts with Jade Barron, right? Someone who is well-respected on that team, well-respected on that side of the ball, and certainly someone who backs it up with his play, not only on the field, but his preparation off the field. Film room study, you know, who's going to be that guy, Chip? You remember early in, in spring ball when, excuse me, in, in fall camp and we we're talking to the guys and jaron thompson said to us like yeah i'm the guy who will have the guys over at my apartment right and we'll watch film and, and do it that do do that you know because sometimes it's nice to do it away from the facility like jade i can see being that guy who naturally slides into that role but then you look further i would say anthony hill can be a guy who you say his production on the field his tremendous effort, you know, someone who's putting in the time and effort to become a better player can be one of those types of leaders. I'm intrigued to see where guys like, you know, Ethan Burke, Baron Sorrell, guys who will be now multi-year starters, do they gradually slide into that role? David Benda, you know, Benda is is someone who I think kind of fits a little bit of both, Chip, you know? I mean, when we talk with Benda, he's not the, the most boisterous guy certainly you know well-spoken but he's not the most boisterous or loudest voice but i think he's someone who just by virtue of having been around the program so long and having earned his place in, in that texas program it can be someone who uh, ascends into that role as well so those are some of the names i'm keeping my eye on chip
2: yeah yeah and texas was lucky or they created their own luck um by developing Really good players on on both lines. Um, Casey Hampton, I always think back to him because uh, Dan Neal told me it's it's good if you're most feared and best leaders are on the lines, your biggest guys because they're the ones that no one will like get into it with because they're afraid of getting, you know, punched in the face so you know texas had that last year with Devondre sweat and byron murphy i mean sweat is big and just monstrous as a playmaker as he was uh byron murphy was the guy that everyone was like kind of afraid of and and if murphy said hey we got to pick it up they all were like okay we got to pick it up and And so it'll be interesting to see if Alfred Collins or Vernon Broughton, Alfred Collins, third highest rated defensive player on the team last year behind sweat and Murphy, Um, you know, coming back huge announcement that Alfred Collins is coming back for a fifth year. So um, he hasn't been that guy, but could he become that guy? And that's, they need leadership in every position group. They had it last year. It was a big deal. It's something that flies under the radar. But they did have position uh, leadership experience across the board. And and that makes a huge difference. You know, Gunnar Helm. I mean, if we're going to kind of look at each position group, Gunnar Helm's a guy who needs to, he's earned the right to, to step up and lead. Obviously, you've got Jake Majors, Calvin Banks on that offensive line uh, let's see if dj campbell's ready to uh you know hayden connor's a guy who will speak his mind we know that um and then and then the running backs Jaden blue and cj baxter how far along are they in uh in their uh, development as guys who will step up and lead because they are clearly the leaders now of the running back room and i think have earn the right to, to step up and lead. Yeah, Chip, you know, it's funny.
0: I want to come back to something you said there as far as, you know, kind of the intimidation factor, right? When you got certain guys with defensive tackles and all the offensive linemen, it, it kind of reminds me, Chip, do you remember the old infamous clip where Peyton Manning and Jeff Sattery are getting into it, right? And, you know, they're getting to about run the football and then Tariq Glenn, you know, the big 6'8 left tackle comes over. And it's the, it's the funniest thing to me, Chip, when, you know, Tariq Glenn says, Go sit down, Peyton says. I will sit down, right? You know, sometimes you need that that big guy to kind of come over there and say, "Hey, enough is enough." So, just really quick to your point, you know, I I, I do think. Listen, football players are, are not scared of anyone. They're not, you know, they're all tough guys. But there's something to be said about that big, intimidating presence. Maybe Kelvin Banks is someone who, you know, despite being a kind of a baby face, you know, and I mean that affectionately, Kelvin. If you see this, you know, I, I think he's. He's spoken about Chip, right? Remember when the, the old line was going through some of their struggles early on, he talked about that group not being afraid to have open and honest conversations, you know, where they can kind of just shoot straight with, with each other, right? So I think that could be a, another guy there, as you talked about, Chip, about Hayden and Connor and others. Gunnar Helms certainly has earned the right by virtue of his playing some of his effort. He's one of those guys in my mind who, you know, Gunnar might not be the most uh, you know vocal guy, but you go out there and you look and you see someone who's doing everything right. Uh, I think Michael Taft. Chip could be another one of those guys, right? He could be a veteran guy who, uh, you know, how many times have you heard, you know, coaches say if we had you know, X amount of Michael Tass, we'd be in great shape, right? So there, there, there are guys who I think who have been around the program a ton, um, but just and again, in, in my belief, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said that each position kind of had. Those guys last year. I think especially with football teams, because you're dealing with groups of 53, you know, or well, I to, did an NFL example, excuse me, but you get the, the point, right? You're dealing with larger numbers of players. It's not like basketball where you, you can have either one star player or just one veteran voice. I think you have to have a solid mix and amalgamation of of guys who are standouts on the field who, who who bring that presence, but also guys who, by virtue of being respected, also uh earn that leadership title as well.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And this is, look, this is going to be, you know, these guys are now the culture carriers. And the culture was fantastic last year, but it is not a guarantee from year to year. It depends on who's carrying the message, who's enforcing the culture. You want it to be a player led uh, situation because those are the teams that typically win, those are the teams that handle adversity better than. Then coach led teams, and so um, that is definitely something that we are watching as winter workouts uh, get going. And the freshmen will—they're in a separate group—and uh, for about two weeks, while well, they get acclimated to the program, and then they join the veterans and uh, and and Tory Becton, who another unsung hero uh, on this. In this Texas football program, in my mind, because he's your culture coach. He's the guy who's working with these guys right now while the rest of the staff is out recruiting, trying to get ready for the February signing date. And Tory Beckton's the one that has to connect with each guy, has to find how to reach each guy. He is a verbal um, listener as a strength coach, which, look, he's going to tell you how it needs to be, but he's also going to listen to see how you need to be coached, which I think is one of his gifts there. We've all seen that strength coach. That's just that my way or the highway guy and, you know, toughen up sissy boy. And, and that's not who Tory Beckton is, but he is going to do everything he can to get everything out of you. And I, I think, you know, the lack of soft tissue injuries that Texas has had since he's been here speaks for itself and, and clearly, um, I think Tory Beckton, also by virtue of the fact that he was sought after by the NFL last year. I heard he got calls this year, uh, maybe even from Alabama. Um, uh, but I think he's, he's staying at Texas. Um, Eric, the defensive line coach position is the last staff position that Steve Sarkeesian needs to fill at, at the moment. And um I don't think there's any question that Rod Wright um, who played at Texas and served as the assistant defensive line coach uh, for the Houston Texans this year um, is a guy who Steve Sarkisian has, has talked to, he's talked to several candidates, but I think Rod Wright was, was one of those candidates. And now it looks like the Houston Texans could be elevating him to defensive line coach from assistant defensive line coach because they were so impressed with the work he's done and and so we're all watching that situation and uh but I do think that Steve Sarkeesian uh is getting close to having this situation um you know making his hire and and so um you know that's that's something that we're watching too, because you've got to have that that chemistry, that symmetry. We know Johnny Nansen coming in as the co-defensive coordinator, linebacker's coach had worked with Pete Kwiatkowski at Montana State. There's comfort comfortability there. We know Johnny Nansen obviously was on Sarkisian's staff at both Washington and USC. Um, but you've got to have, I mean, that defensive line coach is almost as important as the defensive coordinator because that's the guy who's getting you um, developed in the trenches.
0: Yeah, I mean, I just pick pick it up where you left off there, Chip. I mean, everything starts up front, both sides of the ball, right? You know, none of the, the whether it's the, the guys on the outside on offense or guys on the outside in defense, you can't get anything going unless you have that interior filled in. The, the thing that I feel most confident about, Chip, and listen, you've been on top of it since, you know, pretty much, uh, the news of Bo Davis leaving for LSU and you know you can check out the boards of Horns 24-7 elsewhere to be, stay in the latest as far as that a uh, position coach search but I, I think the one thing you feel most confident in is that Steve Sarkisian is going to get someone of quality you know and maybe Chip that is you know my old group of five uh background showing right because I, I know once at that level you miss on your first guy and listen, it's no disrespect to any of the coaches who who coach at that level, but there's usually a big gap between that first target there and then the guy you end up getting if you whiff on that one, right? It's like, all right, who can we get to come in here who's going to take this job for the money we have to offer? You know, at Texas and especially with Steve Sarkisian, none of those things are going to be in play. I mean, there's still chip in my mind. You know, there are names out there. I think, excuse me, should Rod Wright fall through, that you can keep an eye on names of of, of quality, names who would fit well, but just to kind of hammer home your point is it about you know just getting someone who can fit and can kind of you know have recruiting ties to Texas and 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 fill the role or is it about getting someone like a Johnny Nansen, right someone who you say okay we lose x we know we are getting someone who is at least right there in terms of that level if not maybe a a notch or two above uh that replacement so time will tell but i do feel confident in my mind just you know given what Steve Sarkeesian has to offer what Texas has to offer they're going to get someone who uh, you know? It, it may take some time to earn that respect and that that you know willingness to run through a wall like those guys were for Bo Davis, but they're going to get someone of quality.
2: Yeah, someone asked me if Ed Orgeron was interested in the job, and I'm told he is content sitting on his pile of money um, and is not uh, interested in grinding as a D-line coach once again at this point.
0: Chip, not to cut you off, but just the last times we've seen Ed Orgeron on social media, does that man look like he's anything less than content with his life right now?
2: Yeah. I think he was in bed with someone, right? Uh, Well, that's neither here nor there. Um, All right. So uh, a couple of of, uh, football items there. Texas, basketball, Eric. Uh, The Longhorns, who gulp were one in three and looking like it was shoot ready aim in terms of the, the game plan from Rodney Terry. They've, the Longhorns have now won uh, two in a row against ranked opponents at home against Baylor last weekend and last night, uh, Tuesday night in Norman, Oklahoma, Texas. Pulls away for the 75-60 win. Another big night from uh, Max Acemas. He had 22 points. Dylan Dazoo 19 points, 10 rebounds. And Kendall Weaver, baby. Kendall Weaver, who I've been banging the drum for since that Marquette loss because he was out there hustling his ass off no matter how far down they were and I was like okay well this guy gets it he's you know Rodney Terry talks all the time about defense and get lost in your defense your offense will come well Kendall Weaver elevates the whole team's defense in my mind Uh, I mean he came in at the 16-10 mark last night played great defense on um, you know OU's talented guards who didn't they didn't tear up Texas last night. I'm interested in your thoughts on this because I wrote this morning in the morning brew there at horns247.com that the there's an identity that's starting to form. It's, you know, you've got the inside attack led by Dylan Dazoo. You've got the outside attack led by Max Acemas. And then you've got the defensive um, identity, which to me is led by Kendall Weaver, but he's only averaging, you know, 14.6 minutes per game, Eric. Yeah, Chip, I'm going to come to
0: Kendall in, in a second. I mean, listen, let, let's just start with the fact that, as you talked about, after that UCF loss, and there's no need to rehash what happened with the horns down and that whole deal, but it just, it was ugly for, for a minute, you know? And I mean, I asked Rodney Terry, he could care less about what, you know, guys like us say, but when his peers in the industry, the Seth Greenbergs and the Fran Fashillas and, you know, Jay Billis's and those people of the world, you know, are are, are finding, you know, room to critique, his reaction to that that had to to sting a little bit right so credit him he stayed the course he's been true to his hey you know 24-hour rule and we're gonna go back out to go back out in terms of practice the next day and he's picked up two wins that quite frankly chip when they entered this stretch of what was six straight ranked opponents out tcu is now unranked so i, I believe it's five uh, uh, to date um as we're taping this but i, I felt they had to get at least three to feel confident that uh, whatever could come following this stretch of the big 12 campaign. Well, they've got the first two, as mentioned, TCU now unranked, you know, the, the, the contest with Houston is certainly one that's going to be challenging, but you've got BYU ahead. I don't think there's any reason why this team given the level of basketball they've played over the past two nights, couldn't go to Provo and pick up a win in my mind. And the issue chip was never really, a talent, and, and I'm going to use it as a way to transition into your Kendall Lever point, it was kind of a weird cohesiveness slash just cold stretch slash are we going to put it all together kind of thing because they had first half leads against Texas Tech, against UCF. You know, it was a back and forth game against West Virginia. I was ending up pulling that one out. So Chip, I, I know we're not going to get into this in our take it or leave it. Uh, something I didn't have to time to discuss with you before taping this, so I apologize ahead of time. But this is what I think is the crucial move for Rodney Terry. It was inserting IT Horton into the starting lineup, which, A, served twofold of a purpose. One, it got IT, whatever you're going to get out of IT Horton, you have to have it, right? Him going three straight games without getting a bucket, that totally does not serve the purpose of being on this team. Defensively, you know what he is. Offensively, you have to hope you're getting at least between 7 and 12, 13 points. Per game out of him in some form or fashion. So getting him off of the second unit somewhere that clearly he'd kind of hinted at, he wasn't the most comfortable with. I know he hinted at that after the UT Arlington win and in, in which he he started for Tyrese Hunter and got the, the double, double 10 points and 10 boards. So at least get him starting. Right. And then what that allowed for do, what that allowed is for chips guy and Kendall Weaver to be the first guard off the bench. Because when IT was on the bench, it was IT coming off, and then it'd kind of be Kendall Weaver, who else kind of fits, right? So to your point about Kendall, that guy, as you talk about, consistent energy, consistent effort all the way through. To your point about him playing more minutes, Chip, I will say this. I don't necessarily know. I'll put to you like this. I, I don't think you necessarily can be minutes per game from Kendall Weaver, right? Because seemingly he's shown. But the more minutes he plays, his numbers kind of rise and you get more of those, what I'm going to call Brock Cunningham kind of hustle plays, right? My concern is if he's at 20 minutes per game, you know, is it, for lack of a better phrase, Chip, Are you, is he like a Brock guy where you're getting the most value from him in 15 to 16, 17 minutes? Because we've seen what Brock Cunningham's numbers from last two years to so this year have shifted and him playing 26, 27 minutes per game, all of his numbers are down. I, I I don't know, right? That to me is a hit or miss, you know, especially this being his first year at this level. That's where I'm a little bit concerned because it, it's it's not necessarily putting a bridle on his potential. We saw he was the whack freshman of the year last year. He's certainly someone who's got a high ceiling. But at this point in his career, is it too much to expect of him if he's getting 20 to 22 minutes per game? That I'm a little bit iffy on. But I just want to give credit to RT because I think there were some people, Chip, who wanted a starting lineup of eight,
1: Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
0: T instead really worked well and served a twofold purpose in unlocking Kendall Weaver.
2: Well, the thing I like about Kendall Weaver and, and how I think he's different from Brock Cunningham is he's a six foot three guard with the length of a six five guard so he gives you something unique on the perimeter whereas brock is a tweener he's undersized he's too big to guard the best you know perimeter player on the opponent's team he's he's always trying to you know he's he he needs to be more like a pj tucker type an undersized power forward um and if he can hit that three ball consistently he did hit one against OU um you know maybe he's he comes back but for Kendall Weaver he's the only one who gives you perimeter ball pressure and your defense is set by your perimeter if the guards can get into you if they can get past your your perimeter defense you're screwed your big men don't know where to go because they're trying to guard their man but then they have to help And with Weaver, he was actually pushing, um, you know, OU's guards out with his pressure defense. And that's I'm sitting there going, okay, we haven't seen this like as much as I like Tyrese Hunter and he was the Big 12 defensive player of the year as a freshman at Iowa State. We haven't seen that kind of defensive intensity. But with Kendall Weaver on the floor, you do see it. All the players start to play with a little more defensive intensity, and I think, I think that's the part about Kendall Weaver that is so tricky because his stats don't say it. He's five of twenty from three. He was a forty percent shooter from three a year ago. Look, th- he doesn't have it right now. So if he can stay efficient, last night it was attacking the basket with drives. He got some layups. He got fouled. He was three or four. Uh, from the free throw line, um, or he came flying in on a tip in of a Horton miss um, late in the first half that was big because OU looked like they were about to stretch their lead out, and that play uh, actually caused Fran Fraschilla to say, "You you can say Weaver has kept Texas in the game this half." And I just think what we've seen from him, and I know I'm going on and on, and I'll let it go here in a minute, but I've you know what we've seen from him is the more minutes he gets like he got 26 minutes against Marquette he had two blocks he has eight blocks on the season most of any guard by far and and only you know he trails only um well only the team's forwards and same with his offensive rebounds he's got 15 offensive rebounds most of any guard and you know second only to the team's forwards So he goes and he gets you extra possessions. And that's the part that, you know, people, oh, I can't score. You know, it's four on five if if he's out there. Well, if he would become a screener, like if Ronnie Terry said, listen, you need to screen for Max A. Smith, everything, you know, become a better screener, maybe set up some give and go operations because we know he can get to the rack, get fouled. Um, I think there's ways you can use him, but I've, I've made the comparison before to Royal Ivy, a young Royal Ivy. People hear Royal Ivy now and they're like, he was on the national, he was on the final four team. You know, don't compare him to Roy- well, Royal Ivy. If you've ever heard Rick Barnes tell the story, his first practice, he was so scared to shoot. He was turning it over and Rick Barnes yelled at Rob Lanier and said, who recruited this guy? Okay, that's how the Royal Ivy era started at Texas. He, he ended it as one of the best defensive perimeter players in school history. And if you wear 24 at Texas, people are like, oh wow. I wonder if, you know, he's been anointed as the next Royal Ivy. I'm just saying this guy raises the level of play of his teammates um and and makes up for mistakes with hustle. Uh, and I think this team needs that, you know, I, yeah. And and you've got a Smith who's consistent is unbelievable. Now, number 15, all time on the scoring list. Um, You've got to who look, he's not going to play like he did last night, every night, but he's capable. And then, you know, now you've got uh, Kendall Weaver. So I don't know. We'll see. No, Chip, it's definitely a, a we'll see. I mean, the move,
0: and to your point, I think a, a, a smart uh, point on on your part about Kendall's is length, right? You know him and being a bigger guard, that certainly helps, especially against these Big Twelve guards. And listen, I got to give Max Asemus a, a lot of credit. I saw Frank Shilas send out a tweet earlier today talking about the fact that he was a little skeptical as whether or not he'd be able to get his his offense, his points off uh, at this level. I was skeptical in terms of defense, right? And it's not to say that Max is, is, is by any means is you know an all Big 12 defender. However, he he's making guys, he's making bigger guards work for it, Chip. And that's the most you can ask for from a guy who is of his size. He's making them work for it. If there was the play, you know, against Texas Tech where Pop Isaacs, you know, just took him right down there in the the lane and they'll do what he want with him. But those plays have been few and far between on the defensive end. But to your point, as far as the perimeter defense with Kendall, yeah, he he, he definitely provides that, excuse me. Another thing I think with him, talking with him preseason, was he really wants to work on kind of his ball handling point guard skills. Because I think in that sense, Chip, it, it will give him more, you know, an added dimension, more versatility as someone who's still kind of when you talk about his scoring, finding himself as a finisher, you know, still not a consistent finisher. He he gets to the rack, but still isn't consistent as a finisher. Um, doesn't always get that call, which you know sends him to the line or not. So definitely a, a lot of upside with Kendall. And again, with that move, as I talked about, it, it's really unlocked, you know, kind of that, that latter half Because now we've seen, if you notice, Chris Johnson has appeared in ball games now as the next guard off the bench. So, kind of those last two guys off the bench has kind of been you know shifted between him and Zarek Anyema. Uh, we'll see. I'm sure that probably will depend based on the opponent, as far as who will be that eighth, ninth, tenth guy off the bench. But uh, hey, listen, that move has paid ma- paid immediate and major dividends for Rodney Terry's club. And now, they, if they can get this one next one against BYU, you, you got to feel really good about Texas being back in the thick of things in a Big Twelve that still a long ways to go. What we knew was that the one and three start. If they didn't pick up their play, it was going to be an issue. But the fact that they have picked up their play. Now you got to feel good about them kind of getting themselves back in the race.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And your veteran guys are are leading the way to zoo. Ace-mas. All right. Texas women, um, big game actually tonight. Again, we're recording on Wednesday, taking on Oklahoma and uh, Madison Booker just continues to get more and more comfortable. The freshman point guard uh, s- scoring point guard, setting up teammates. It's been a phenomenal story. We will, uh get into that more as we uh you know follow them but uh Vic Schaefer that's a confident team I I look for Texas to to handle business against the Oklahoma Sooners. Um all right Eric you ready for some love it or leave it or take it or leave it love it or leave it or take it or leave it chip whatever
0: you got for me I am absolutely ready my man
2: All right. Well, don't go anywhere, because coming right back, we will have Take It or Leave It. And if you're watching us on the Horns 24-7 YouTube channel, we will roll on. So, Eric,
0: who's up first? You've got Take It or Leave It. I am sending it to you, Chip. So I will start it off. Landing defensive tackle Tia Savea. and I'm really glad that he goes by Tia because I was still working on saying Tio. Is it Tio? I, I tried to look at the, at the phonetic pronunciation, Aoli. Aoli. There we go. There we go. Um, but Tia Sevea is as important for the defense as landing the wide receiver trio of Matthew Golden, Isaiah Bond, and Silas Bolden. Chip, take it or leave it,
2: you know i'm gonna I'm gonna take this actually um because the thing that stands out about Tia Savea is his run defense so he's six foot four three hundred and five pounds he played the nose tackle at Arizona, but his uh, pFF run defense grade was higher than. Every other Texas defensive tackle outside of Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy. And we know that the number one priority, especially after having a season in which the Texas defense was number three in the nation in run defense, giving up only 84.2 yards per game on the ground, is stopping the run. We know that Tavondre Sweat was a beast in terms of stopping the run. These are the hardest guys to find. Talk about it all the time in recruiting, finding a difference-making defensive tackle. I think Tia Savea is going to help this team with Alfred Collins's pass rush ability because he was the third-best pass rusher on the team behind Murphy and Sweat. I think this was a really big pickup, Eric. how about you
0: chip i am going to take it and i was torn because of the way that you know you would phrase this question was the wide receiver trio um and you know you just you look on the surface and you say man how can one defensive tackle a guy who hasn't been a full-time starter in his career be as important but here's why when i dove into the numbers and i wrote this for horns 24 7 on the site chip it's almost kind of common sense maybe we've taken Tavondre Sweat, and Byron Murphy for granted. To expect Alfred Collins and Vernon Broaden, and I know we were super excited, myself probably is the chief guy in this group, being super excited about the next man up, right? And those guys going to develop, whether it was going to be under Bo Davis, and now obviously it's not going to be under Bo Davis. And uh, Chip, it's a lot to ask to be Byron Murphy and Tavondre Sweat to be as good as they were last year, right? The margin for error, i mean it's a lot so we're talking about pro football focus is top rated defensive tackles and they've been that way since like week four week five of the year so in my mind even if ac and broughton can't be as good which again not being as good could be big 12 second team big 12 honorable mention you know a really good big 12 defensive tackle if they can't be as good Having someone to fill those gaps, especially to your point, as you said a run stuffer, right? The two things that you knew you were not, or the one thing you knew you were not going to do against those two guys. Huge in my mind. So I would say landing Tia Savea is as important. And I'll even go as far as to say, let's see if there's one more defensive tackle out there in the portal who can really help bridge those gaps. It's not necessarily about what's behind them and Zach Swanson and Aaron Bryan and Cedric Mitchell and Jare Bledsoe. It's just the fact is, listen, Tavandre Murphy, and Byron, this the second time I've done that. Tavondre, Sweat, and Byron Murphy were really, really good last year. And to expect anyone to play at that level for 14 games, 15 games, 16 games in the the playoff era, it's a lot to ask.
2: Yeah, yeah. No, I don't, I'm, yeah. All right. Take it or leave it number two. Your biggest concern as uh, winter workouts – start are is identifying new leadership on both sides of the ball after the off season, um, departures, all the playmaking experience that just walked out the door, take it or leave it.
0: Biggest concern. I'm going to leave it. Chip. I, I, I always kind of felt that the natural leadership would evolve. The reason for that is this for as much chip, as we poked and prodded and asked and, and asked and asked last year about what was the difference? The first thing that Jordan Whittington at big 12 media day said to quote Jay Witt, he said, we really rock with each other. Meaning we like each other off the field. We've set a culture. We've set a standard. And yes, while a lot of those guys, the, the Jay Witts, the Christian Jones and, and, you know, Xavier worthy's you know jt sanders etc sweat murphy watts jalen out the door i do firmly believe that the culture has been set and whether that starts with steve sarkeesian being the man to lay his own story out there on the line in those culture wednesdays and it trickle all the way down i do believe that that culture has been set it's one thing in my mind chip if it's a player who says, you know, I'm going to use an example, right? I'm going to use a throwback example. Say if it's a 2000s Miami Ed Reed, right? We've all seen the Ed Reed speech where he said, y'all ask if I'm good. Nah, dog, I'm hurt. <laughs> you know, it's one thing if that's a player who who's setting that and that can slowly through attrition kind of make its way out the door. I think Sark has started that and I do think that can trickle down. So yes, it's going to take time for those guys to develop. Um, but I don't think they'll have an issue finding the, those those uh, those leadership.
2: Yeah, I'm going to leave this as well um, because I do think there's um, there's excellent leaders who can make sure that that culture gets carried on. My biggest concern right now is who's going to be the defensive line coach because that position, um, I'll say it again, is as important as the defensive coordinator because that is the guy who is setting the tone up front on defense making sure that that uh, those defensive tackles are getting developed that they're stopping the run um, bo davis pushed for byron murphy to be able to shoot gaps in p system and bo got his way and it paid off byron murphy uh, you know was getting into gaps and causing havoc and uh, that that's going to be that's a critical position especially uh when it comes to what you said earlier about maybe bringing in another defensive tackle uh, in the portal whether it's um you know in May or 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 what and holding on to the recruits you have obviously Texas has already let uh, DeAndre Robinson out of his letter of intent. Um, I was really excited about uh, DeAndre Robinson. And um, and now you've got Melvin Hills, who is coming in in the summer. You've already got uh, Alex January on campus and uh, from Duncanville. But this was a big recruiting class. There was a lot of defensive tackles. You know, Dominic McKinley, who ended up at LSU, um, Jamari Caldwell, the Houston transfer who ended up committing to Oregon. And I should say Dominic McKinley has committed to LSU. I don't I haven't kept up to see if he's actually signed there yet or not. But um, it's, you know, signing days coming up. So that would be my number one concern. All right. Take it or leave it. Number three, Eric to bring us home chip and for the effort of full disclosure or in
0: the effort of full disclosure uh we did write these you wrote these yesterday so this this question might have been a little bit different if it were prior if after uh the game but the last one chip the only two players for texas men's basketball who've earned guaranteed minutes so
2: far are max ace and dylan to take it or leave it I'm going to leave this because I just spent half the show arguing for Kendall Weaver to get more minutes. So I would say Acemas, DeZoo, and Kendall Weaver. I'm going to stand on that hill. So I'm leaving this. I think there are three players who need a guaranteed minutes. How about you, Eric? That's why I wanted to give you that out. I wanted
0: to make sure it was known, right? Because I know you would have... Uh, maybe amended that had had we done this today. But, you know, I'm going to leave it only because, uh, yes, I do think Kendall Weaver has shown, demonstrated that when he enters the game, good things tend to happen. I'm a Dylan Mitchell guy as well. I think D. Mitch is a rebounder has taken leaps and bounds as far as just being consistent on the boards. Um, Still working his way through defense, still finding that consistent offensive game. I really wish that elbow, um, that uh, free throw line elbow uh, uh, side jumper that he kind of tends to take would be consistent you know Still, a lot of his offense is on you know getting out there and breakaways and dunks and being the highlight reel that he is right you know but still cleaning up messes that. they're they're cleaning up messes but i do think um just by his presence on the boards i think uh he's he's earned guaranteed miss. so those would
2: be the four that i would put chips so i'm leaving that one. okay all right well we appreciate everybody Tuning in to this episode of the Flagship Podcast. Make sure that uh, if you would like and subscribe to the Horns 24 7 YouTube channel, feel free to give us a uh, five star review wherever you listen to the Flagship Podcast. And for Eric Henry, I am Chip Brown. Until next time, we'll see you over at horns247.com. Stay safe and keep the faith.